Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. Hey, I almost hate to do this, but um, how many of you caught the Flames-Oilers game last night? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. The Flames came all unleashed on the Oilers. Is they got lucky. All right, okay, well listen, speaking of unleashed, speaking of unleashed, let's move on to something a little bit more profitable this morning. We're in the last week of our Unleashed series, and for those of you that are just joining us, maybe those of you that are here for the first time this morning, and we want to just say welcome again to you. We're excited to always have someone new with us, and so for all of you visiting, welcome and thanks for coming. Uh, for those of you that are joining us online, uh, we're excited to have you there too, and so maybe uh, you haven't been aware of this series, so let me just catch you up. Uh, the series is called Unleashed, it's letting God out, and it's letting God out of the cages that we so often put him in as, as people. And so over the course of the, the series, we've co- covered a few different things. In week one, for example, we, we talked about unleashing God to lead us in our lives. So oftentimes, we want to have God follow. We want to be in charge of our lives, and we want to be the one setting the pace and picking the direction and so on. But we've got to unleash God to, to lead us and involve him and let him allow us uh, allow him to to direct us and, and so on and so forth in our lives as we go through it. Week two, Bruce talked about the whole idea of letting God out of our small groups, and which is to say that we need to have, have him help us to love those around us, that we would be outward focused, that we would be reaching out, and that we would be pulling people in, and that actually small groups is such a great catalyst to help us accomplish that. Last week, we were talking about letting God out of the cage of, at work, and so what we were talking about there was getting a, a proper perspective on work so that we can approach it the way that God wants us to, so that we can do our work according to His nature and in His character. And this morning, we're going to be talking about letting God out of our mouths. And all we mean by that is that for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, that we need to be sharing the gospel. Not just us corporately as a church, but us individually, us personally, that we need to be out sharing with our friends and neighbors and co-workers about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, and if you weren't already upset about the flames thing, I'm going to imagine that there are some of you that are upset now a little bit about this. Already, I suspect that some of you are mad. Don't tell me that I have to share the gospel. I don't have that gift. I leave that to others. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. Some of you are maybe worried, saying, oh no, I hate these messages because this is so intimidating. I don't want to have to go out. I don't know enough. I don't feel comfortable doing this, etc. 
And so we've started to argue, we've started to debate even in our minds in some respects already this morning. And so as that happens, as you get mad at me, and before you start to throw things and so on, maybe it's best if we just stop and pray and ask God to come and help us to navigate through this successfully today. So would you bow with me? Father, today, as we come to this topic, Lord, about sharing our faith, and I get it, God, it's uncomfortable, it's intimidating. Lord, it can be unnerving, unsettling. And here, Father, we find so many excuses as to why we're not able, why we're not ready, why we're not equipped, what have you, so that we don't. And so this morning, as we come to this topic and as we consider the idea of unleashing you and letting you out of our mouths, Father, I pray that you would just come alongside us and that you would support us in this that we would know and sense your presence, that we would understand the legitimacy of this call on us, and that you would then help us to accomplish it. That you would account for our nerves, that you would account for our excuses, that you would overcome them, and that you would make us a force for your Son, Jesus Christ. And so to that end, I pray now, and I ask these things in his name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right. This morning, quickly... As we come to this whole idea about sharing the gospel, first of all, we need to know what the gospel is. We need to understand that. So I want to just run through a couple of things quickly to to, uh, give you an overview of that. First of all, uh, as we think about this area, I think so oftentimes we get it too convoluted, complicated, and complex. We take the gospel and we make it unnecessarily difficult. At least in our own minds... And that is one of our first hurdles to overcoming this challenge in sharing the gospel, is recognizing the simplicity of the message that we have today. Gospel simply means good news. And so as we talk about gospel within our context, then that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Which is to say that sin, having separated us from God, that a holy God, as we sinned against Him, then that sin has created a separation or a gap between us because he cannot tolerate sin. In his perfection, he can't tolerate sin. So now there's a challenge, there's an issue. And as Adam and Eve sinned, that introduced sin to all of us, that all of us have now been subject to sin and all of us are now sinners because we are not perfect. So we sin. But that God then was not willing to leave it at that. That he was not willing to just let that be the case. So what he did was send his son, Jesus Christ, into our world as a man in order for him to pay the penalty of our sin. Because it had to be dealt with. So, as Jesus Christ came, he lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again to pay the penalty of that sin. The penalty of sin is death, we are told in Scripture. And so that penalty had to be paid. And so Christ came to do that because we weren't able to do that on our own on account of the fact that we cannot raise ourselves from the dead. So Jesus came, died, rose again, paid the penalty of our sin. Therefore, As you and I come to believe that Jesus is God, 
that he died and rose again and saved us from our sin and place our faith in him for having done that, then we are saved. And that is the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this morning we're going to look at this a little bit closer by way of Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 17. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me in that in your Bibles. If you have your phones, flip them on, turn with me there to Romans. If you don't have either, why don't you just follow on the screens, that's cool too. We're going to look at these few verses here and then dive in and see what Paul has to say. Now as we come to this passage, we need to understand a couple of things here. First of all, Paul is speaking primarily to his people, the Jewish people, in this passage. Okay, But he's not speaking to them exclusively. So as he's talking, he's talking to his Gentile audience at the time, but also to his audience today, Jew and Gentile alike today. So we can apply this, we can appropriate it for ourselves as well. In particular here, Paul is establishing through this bigger section of Scripture, he's establishing that our salvation comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ. All right, And that it is not something that we can accomplish in and of ourselves. In other words, we can't work in order to earn it. We can't do enough good in order to be saved by God. That this other penalty has to be paid and we can't overcome it any other way than through Jesus Christ. Okay, and so he's establishing that here. As Paul does this, as he unpacks this in this section of Scripture, then he provides for us a frame of reference today by which we can evaluate ourselves on two different levels. The first one is this. It's with respect to our own status before God. Are we saved today? As we look at this, we can establish whether we have come to that point because we understand now the parameters, what constitutes salvation. So number one, have we placed our faith in Jesus Christ? Have we come to that point where we recognize Him as God and that He has paid the penalty of our sin and that we need to place our trust, our faith in Him having solved that problem for us? Or... Are we still trying to accomplish our salvation? Are we going through life on our own trying to do enough good so that someday we hope that when we get to heaven, we'll appear before God and He'll say, dude, way to go. Good enough. You can come in. So this morning, as Paul talks, we're faced with that decision that question and that decision ourselves. Where do we stand before God? But secondly, and more important more to our point today, Paul also then goes on to point out what is necessary in order that others come to be able to place their faith in Christ as well. And as he does that, then we're called again as his followers to examine ourselves to see if we are doing what is necessary for others to come to faith too. Alright? So that's kind of the backdrop as we go into this section of Scripture. But let's go there now and see what Paul has to say. So Romans 10, verses 9-13 to we're going to start with here. Paul says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, as we get to the end of those few verses, we need to stop here and note a couple of things. First of all, we need to note that salvation is not a two-step process. Okay? As we come to this, and we hear Paul saying that we have to believe in our hearts and that we have to confess with our mouths, we need to understand that he's not saying that there's two pieces to salvation. All right? What's going on here is in the preceding verses, Paul has been referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 to 14. All right? And so he's been referring, and he's, again, I mentioned before, he's been talking to primarily his Jewish people. And so he refers them back to Deuteronomy, knowing that they will remember Moses' words there. And Moses, in fact, in that passage, refers to faith, refers to saving faith, saying that it is close to our hearts and to our mouths, which is to say that it is so close, that salvation is so close, that God is so close that we can accomplish this in our hearts and in our mouths. That there's nothing more that stands between us than believing in our hearts and then confessing with our mouth who He is and what He has done for us and we're saved. So, Paul, or so Moses was pointing to this way back in Deuteronomy and, and Paul is bringing that out and he's talking to the people in those same terms. He's using the same ideas. So he says, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth. But what we need to understand is that they are one and the same. Salvation is not two parts. It's the same. It's one. Think about this for a second. True confession requires sincere belief. If we're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, then that means that we need to sincerely believe it for it to be true confession. And at the same time, sincere belief precipitates true confession. If I sincerely believe that, well then, I will truly confess it. So it's two parts of the same thing. It's one. And so, let's just keep that in mind as we get into this whole idea about sharing our faith. Now, some of you are maybe debating that already with me a little bit in your minds. Going, well, wait a second, Doug, I've heard that for years. I've got to believe in my heart. I've got to confess with my mouth. And if I don't do one or the other, then I'm not saved. Well, just to establish that I'm not whistling Dixie here, Paul himself backs this up just earlier in Romans 9, verse 30. I'll let you go back and look at that. He also says it again in chapter 10, verse 4, that it's one, that if we believe, that we're saved. And our belief then precipitates our confession. And then he goes on in a number of other places in Scripture, along with a number of other authors in Scripture, to say that it's one, 
that these are one thing. So at this point then, as we come to this point where we believe that Jesus is God and has saved us from our sin through His death and resurrection, we are saved. Paul then stresses that this good news is for all people. That this good news, that good news, that little bit that we just talked about right there is for all people. Anyone can be saved. And everyone, faith is for everyone. That then is our message today. As we're called to go out and share the Gospel, that is our message. That we go out and share that with the world around us. It's not complex. It's not that complicated. But I'll admit, I'll acknowledge today that it has implications. Alright? And we're not here to, to short sell the implications. But we've got to start with the Gospel first. We've got to get to that point first and then we deal with the implications. Those work themselves out throughout the rest of our lives. We're talking about the implications here now this morning. One of them. One of the implications of professing Jesus is God and confessing that He has saved us from our sin through His death and, death and resurrection is that now I need to speak about it. That's an implication of my faith. And so we continue to do that. We'll work those things out. But so oftentimes, we get distracted, we get overcome thinking about the implications before we ever share with them the good news itself. And never give them an opportunity, them being our neighbors, our friends, our families. Never give them an opportunity to even make that decision, let alone discuss an implication. That's not where Paul stops, though. He doesn't just stop with the Gospel in this passage. It prompts his next thought, which we see now in the next few verses. Looking at verses 14 and 15 and then verse 17, Paul goes on to say this, How then can they call on the One they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the One of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word about Christ. So having looked at what constitutes our salvation, what saves us from the consequence of sin, Paul now turns our focus to the practical requirements necessary for people, for others... to be able to make a decision about God. The practical requirements necessary for people 
to come to the point where they can believe. To establish that, Paul uses a series of rhetorical questions. And as he uses these questions, what he establishes is that people need to hear the message. If others are to believe, then they have to hear the message. How can they call on him if they haven't believed? How can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And let's just stop right there. Now, this is pretty straightforward, right? As we, as we look at this and as we hear these things, well, that's logical. It sort of makes sense in a nice, neat package. I can follow the trail there. But we need to take a moment to understand a couple of things here. Because as much as we understand it, sometimes I don't think we do. And we get lost in a few things here and miss the point entirely. So first of all, as Paul says, someone preaching to them, okay? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? End quote. We do well to hear that phrase and understand that to mean without a messenger. How can they hear without a messenger? Okay? So, oftentimes, we come to that verse, and what we do is we equate that literally with a preacher, with a pastor. Well, how are they going to hear without a pastor? What they need is a pastor, not me. What they need is a church, not me. What they need is an evangelist, Billy Graham, not me. And we miss the point. Paul's saying, what they need is a messenger. What they need is someone to take them this message. They need to hear this. And we stop at that point and we look at others and say, well, then they got to go. They got to do this. And Paul's not saying that at all. He's saying, hey, everybody, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've come to this point where you've placed your faith in him, then you're called to be the messenger. I'm talking to you now. So Paul's talking to you and I in this case. And if we get right down to it, if we get right down to it, Paul is actually probably has in mind here the apostles first. That the apostles were the first messengers. And they're now going out and they're sharing this faith with the world around them. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just limited to apostles or preachers. It applies to all of us. And so, with that in mind, and we'll come back to this in a second, with that in mind then, there's a couple things that we need to understand about messengers. Okay, first of all, messengers carry someone else's message. Alright? So, messengers carry someone else's message. And, and this is a, it's sort of an obvious point, but it's a, it's a big one all at the same time. Here we need to understand that the gospel message is 
from God. This message that we carry comes from God Himself. This wasn't just dreamed up by some guys along the way. This isn't my message that I'm trying to convince you to go out and share with the world around you. This isn't First Baptist Church's message that we're trying to indoctrinate you with and try and get you to go out and share. This is God's message to us. And that's different because now God is actually making His appeal directly to each one of us. That this Christianity thing, this faith in Christ, comes from Him Himself. This is not a man-made system to get in touch with God. This is a God-made system to get in touch with man. That's huge. And we need to understand it. Not the least of which is also for the fact that when God is the one that gives us the message, that holds a little bit more sway in my world. It's one thing for me to try and send you out with a message. But when we recognize that God Himself has come to us and charged us with being the messengers, then I trust that that carries more weight in your heart and in your mind today. Secondly, messengers must be sent. Messengers must be sent. If someone has a message, then they charge someone to take the message. And here, we see this in Paul's last rhetorical question. And how can someone preach if they have not been sent? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? But how can someone preach if they have not been sent? And the point Paul's driving home here is again that God has sent you and I now with this message on His behalf to all people. God has sent you and I to the people where He's placed you, the people around you, with His message of salvation. Now after His resurrection, we can, we can trace this, we can see this. So again, it's not just Doug dreaming this up. After his resurrection, Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 20, verse 21, he said, As the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. So we see the message coming from God Himself through Jesus. And from Jesus now to the disciples. As Jesus says to them, As God has sent me, so now I send you. Okay? And then we see that expanded to all of us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. There, Jesus came to them and said, all authority. This is, again, in your Bibles it will say his disciples now. But that's a, it's a bigger group that he's talking to at this point. Jesus came to them, so not just the 11, the 12. He's talking to all the broader group, the broader context of disciples. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Which is to say, now this isn't just this isn't just this group that he's talking to, but all of us. Now, all of us that count ourselves as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. And he is with us all, even to the very end of the age, as he calls us and charges us to go out and share the message with the world around us. We find this again. If that weren't enough, we find it again in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 to 21, which we've talked about before, where Paul tells us that we have been sent out in the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling man with God. That we've all been appropriated, we've all been deputized to this message as God's messengers now. So as Paul unpacks this for us here, we need to understand, if people are going to come to the point where they believe in Jesus Christ, and if they are going to come to the point where they recognize what He has done for us in paying the penalty, the debt of our sin, then we need to understand. We now need to understand that it is our responsibility to get out and share that message. As I, as I think about this whole topic, this whole subject, what comes to my mind is actually the parable of the talents. And I'm not going to stop and go into that long this morning because we don't have a bunch of time. For those of you that are familiar with it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Where God comes along and He says to His three servants, here, you take some money, you take some money, you take some money. You manage this for me while I'm gone. And then He comes back and He sees how these servants have stewarded this cash that He's left them with. And it's a parable that talks about our gifts and our abilities and whether or not we're stewarding them for God. But as I come to this whole idea of sharing my faith, sharing the message of Jesus Christ with those around me, I can't help but think about it and see it in terms of the talents. This is another thing that Jesus has given us, that God has given us. He's handed to us to steward. It's His message. He's handed it, hand, handed it. He's handed you and I the message of the gospel today. Each one of us. And he's asking us to steward it well for him. And it seems to me that so many of us are doing what the wicked servant did, burying the message. We're taking this, this, this treasure that He's given to us and rather than sharing it, rather than expanding it, rather than growing it, we're digging the hole and we're sticking the message in it and we're keeping it there safe. So that one day when He comes back, we'll, we'll say to Him, I, I got the message. I got it. Got it right here. Right in my heart. And I can't help but wonder if he's going to look at, uh, at us and he's going to say, what? What? 
I wanted you to share it, not bury it. Before we finish this morning, I want to speak to a couple more things. First of all, when it comes to sharing our faith, I know, I know, because I'm no different. We get nervous, we get intimidated. And so it's become popular for us to stand behind some ideas like this. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So we hear this concept, not actually that phrase is often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but there's no corroboration that he ever said it. As a matter of fact, if you look at his writings and so on and so forth, he would say, seem to say very differently. But we come to this idea and we cling to that. We hide behind it. That, okay, if I have to go out and share the gospel with the world around me, I'm going to interpret that to mean that I just need to get, go out and live a good life and they'll figure it out from there. Like if I have to cheapen it with words, that really wouldn't be sharing the gospel. And we can twist this all up in our heads and we can come out of it feeling good about life. That I don't have to do anything about opening my mouth to sharing the gospel. I don't have to make it awkward. I don't have to be, find anything difficult. Yada, da, yada, da. So we take that and we use it as an excuse to really do nothing. And as it comes to this point about having to live out our faith, I, I, I'm, I'm on board. I agree with that. We have to live good lives, proper lives, decent lives, so that our actions back up our words. There's no doubt about that. It's very true. And as a matter of fact, I would say that, that we're probably digging out of a hole in some respects in regard to this whole idea of living good lives. Because there's been a whole bunch of other nitwits that are out there chattering, talking the talk, but not walking the walk in the world around us. And people have noticed. People are pointing that out regularly on the news and elsewhere. And that's making it a whole lot more difficult for us to go out and share our faith. Because we're digging out of the hole that some people have put us in. But that doesn't excuse us. That doesn't exonerate us from not doing it. So I'll admit, we have to do some work in that area, and our lives need to match what we're talking about. But, at the end of the day, not only do we need to live out our lives well for God, we also need to open our mouths and let God out by talking about our faith, by sharing the gospel with people. And in fact, as we look at Scripture, what we find is that if we are out there living well, living properly, living according to the ways that God has called us to, then that will provoke questions from the world around us. 
which again is convicting for me today because I have to look at my life and I have to look and, and ask, is somebody asking me a question about how I live or why I live the way that I live? Because 1 Peter says this, 1 Peter 3, verses 15 to 16, says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, not if they ask you. Revere Christ. And then be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's kind of like he saw people coming, didn't he? But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Church family, friends, the long and the short of it is for us today that at some point, sooner than later, we need to be ready to speak. We need to be ready to speak. And sharing the gospel, sharing our faith, is going to require words. For those of us that believe that Jesus is God and that He rose from the dead, Pay for our sin. For those of us that buy in to that, then now more than ever, we need to unleash the message of the gospel to the world around us, to a world in need, so that they can believe. We don't have to be fancy. We don't have to try and make it complicated. We can't be pushy. Like Peter says here, we've got to do this well with gentleness and respect. Can't grab our Bibles and start and thump. But we've got to do it. We have to. We're called to. by God as his messengers and on account of the best message ever so that our friends, so that our family, so that our coworkers, so that our neighbors can come to believe. Now maybe you're here this morning. I would be remiss if I didn't offer people an opportunity to make that decision today. Maybe you're here and you've never come to this point where you've made that decision to follow Christ, to place your faith in Him. Maybe you've been hanging out with us for a while. Maybe you've been watching online, what have you. And you've never done that. I would encourage you to do that today. And I would invite you, I would request that you come and talk to me 
If you've got questions, maybe you're still not quite 100% sure. Need a bit of help. Need just a couple more answers on some things that are sticking in the back of your mind. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to one of the staff. I would even venture to go so far today as to say, talk to a friend that maybe you know is here right now. They know that they need to talk to you about it. They're ready. Talk to them. And make that decision. Don't miss it. We'd love to help you with that. Let's pray. Father, again, having heard your word and I, and I trust thereby having heard you today that you will change us that your word will not return to you void that by your spirit that you would empower us, that you would enable us, that you would equip us, that you would engage us to go out and talk about you and what you've done for each of us. So to that end, I pray that you would renew our commissioning that we would be better messengers so that others would come to believe. And I ask this all through Jesus Christ and in his name and for his sake alone. Amen. Thanks again for coming, everybody. Good news, good news, beyond the flames. New series next week, that means donuts. We'll see you then.